Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. I'm Monica and I'm your host. Tonight is July 18th, 2011. Safe Recovery was created and designed to give us a platform to discuss and debate the problems in 12-step meetings and its culture. Tonight we have a very special guest. Um, that, so we're promoting people who have created uh, other ways that they've uh, gotten sober. Um, this book is really David's life story. Um, David Darmstetter, who wrote My Monster, um, sober uh, over um, two decades. And I think that he is in the queue, so I'm just going to bring David on. Hey. Hello, you're live. I'm in the queue. What's hey. Up? You're live on Seek Recovery, Blog Talk Radio, David. Have a good What's the call? What's that? Straight recovery? Safe. Yeah, Black Talk Radio, safe recovery. Like, it's uh, safe. Oh, yeah. hmm Yeah. I feel pretty safe today. Yeah, and so, how are you doing no, today? I'm shit, but I don't have to call my sponsor and get some opinion that's going to piss me off even more, which I didn't like in my experience in AA. Sometimes you call your sponsor, and your sponsor would actually make you feel worse mm-hmm. than when you felt before you even called them, and... A lot of it was just personal opinions and their personal experience. Right. And it used to irritate the fuck out of me. And then I get off the phone thinking, I hate this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to okay, give him an example? Or, and, yeah, I huh? mean, I think that's true. I mean, an example of, of one of the times when that happened? Or look at what step are you on? Or just something, just something out of the air, like they might have just been screaming at their wife and you get on the phone and they're like, yeah, what do you want? And just you just... It's just, uh, I don't know, I'd rather talk to somebody on the street sometimes. Yeah, yeah, well, I guess you talked to somebody in the Amazon instead, didn't you? (laughs) Well, yeah, I went to Peru in October of 2010 because I had been sober for 20 years and I just was feeling a little bit empty at the meetings, feeling like it was kind of a... Um, a loop, like a loop tape, or uh, I don't know. This just was kind of a dead zone for me personally, mm. and I wanted to do something else. And, and the person that was sponsoring me at the time, I had mentioned to them about going to Peru, and they just ignored me and said bad idea. And I sent, I went online and I found this place in the Amazon, and I sent the link to my sponsor, and I said, look this over. This is something I feel like I really want to do it's going to continue my spiritual growth and he never read it and then you know i just because it wasn't aa approved mm-hmm. i was kind of scorned by some people most of it was fear-based but right. i knew i had to go and when i went online and i saw the eyes of these shaman women it just felt like this is something i had to do and i didn't want to be fearful about it so right. i went down to peru by myself i flew into lima and i went to took a plane to Iquitos and I took a bus to the to the edge of the Amazon and I went up the Amazon for two and a half hours and got dropped off in a path in the jungle and walked two hours into the jungle and met these people Indians and I did um, 12 days seven ayahuasca ceremonies and it was uh, the most supreme experience I've had in my life mm-hmm. and it was for me, it was like a true fourth and fifth step, ten thousand fold. I mean, personally. 
I, uh, you know, I have to thank AA members maybe for teaching me how to use the practice of surrender, but um, this experience brought me, you know, to my knees and and back again. And um, I came out of there with some kind of blessing, and I haven't been to AA since. Actually, there was a a voice clear in my head saying, your alcoholism is gone, and I was so scared to hear that. Mm -hmm. I asked, where did it go? And the voice said, it's gone. If you want it back, we'll give it to you. And I was kind of laughing, saying, no, I don't want it back. Yeah. But it, it basically took a lot of that away from me, and I don't know how to explain it. Um, I'm really interested in the story. You know, Kevin had told me a little bit of what you had shared with him, but I think a lot of our listeners who are people that uh, many have left AA, which I was telling you about, you you know, you didn't seem to know about it, but there's a website called Stinkin' Thinkin', and there's a thread called Why I Left AA. And many of us feel that, you know, that it's not true that, you know, like smart recovery, they think, well, maybe you needed a year. They don't even tell you, oh, you need to come here for a year or two. But they think after that you should just go and live your life, that no one ever says you need to keep coming here for the rest of your life and, you know, you have this disease. And um, so when I was in the process of changing my whole belief system when you had come back and talked to Kevin, so I was very, very interested and still am. And, you know, we have a whole, you know, hour or whatever, 53 minutes to talk about it. And then if we want, maybe halfway into it, if you want to take callers, there, you know, there's about one, two, three, four, there's about seven people in the chat just listening this way. I can't really see how many are listening on the phone or in the computer, but there's those many logged in. Um, so you arrive there, and first of all, what is the link so um, that you went to? The place I went to is called uh, the Temple of Light. Light. Temple. I think it's life, but it's light. Uh, the Temple, Temple of, of light. light. And it's called Ayahuasca. That's I mean. Ayahuasca sorry, is, is it, it's 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 from a it's from a vine in the Amazon, and they combine um, the vine with uh, leaves from a bush. Uh, Maybe other people will know more than the, the technical name was Archana, I think. It, it's, a, it's a combination of plants from the jungle. Mm-hmm. And they take these vines and they, they crush them and they put them in a big vat of boiling water with the leaves and they boil it down to this kind of thick brown liquid. It tastes kind of like grapefruit juice and tobacco. It's not the greatest taste because it's mm-hmm. from the earth. But it has qualities of you know DMT which is considered a hallucinogenic but mm. the thing is is that this um in my experience this, since I've done a lot of drugs this wasn't a drug this was definitely a strong spirit medicine because it didn't you know it wasn't like a party atmosphere yeah. it was a place where you, you you drink this with shamans and they sing these songs they're called ikaros and they mm-hmm. sing these songs and you travel back into your past and you see things clearly and you confront yourself with like a massive mirror image of yourself and you work things out and and it's like a spiritual hospital of sorts. Yeah, now 12 days. Not for the weak at heart. You know, to be there. Sorry, go ahead. Well, you go go through experiences where you see things that you do that you don't, I mean, the same as when you're doing a, a fourth and fifth step, but this is, like I said, magnified like a thousandfold. So if you see some things that you don't not even aware of, behaviors that really aren't um, great for your spiritual growth, they're going to come up and you're going to see them. So it gets scary at times, but you just have to, you know, in my experience, I had to surrender and see what I was and ask for help again mm-hmm. and continue. And I was basically split open and like an operation and everything was taken out of me and then it was put back in. And it's almost like I was reprogrammed through, you know, this strong spiritual medicine with these people Indians that have been doing this for, you know, over a thousand years. They have people that try to bring it here and do it. I don't personally recommend that. It's not my experience. Yeah. You know, I'd rather do with peop with you know, in the Amazon with the Indians that have been doing it for, for so long. Mhm. But um it's it's uh I mean, ayahuasca is well known now. 
They're doing a lot right. of studies. They actually have mm-hmm. clinics in the Amazon to get people off of uh, heroin addiction, and they give them ayahuasca, and they go through similar ceremonies. And people, in my experience, the people I've talked to, people do not drink or use drugs again after they after they go through this. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's a definitely an alternative um, measure. But uh, the thing about AA is they don't have the cornerstone on spiritual growth, and I think there's a lot of fear implied in AA where if you don't do it the right way, you don't do it the AA way, you're going to drink and die. And that's... Uh, that's kind of scary way to run an operation, I think. Yeah, I, I, we, I think uh, you know I agree with the, telling people about the doom and gloom forever and ever, uh, which you know I believed for way too long. I'm sorry to say, but um, I uh, really am interested in this. So you are in there, like are you in, in tents? Like do you sleep in a tent, or are there little oh, you cottages? Got what I- what, where I went, there, there's another place called Blue Morpho, and there's a place called Temple of the Way of Light. The reason I chose Temple of the Way of Light is because it's more of a feminine energy. There's there's women shamans. They're called Quanderas, and the men are called Quanderos. And um, I personally wanted to try this energy, a more nurturing energy, but there's other places. One that's highly recommended is called Blue Morpho, and you can look that up online too. And that's with one um Quandero who's 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 a well renowned um Quandero in the in the Iquitos jungle area. And I know people that have gone there too, but um that's even more intense. But in my experience you I went to this place, I walked through the jungle and it's got um a bunch of little um palm leaf thatched huts that are all around this big place called the Tampo and it's mm-hmm. like a big hut I'd say you know a few thousand square feet and um, that's where the ceremonies take place so there's you have to go on a certain diet before you go mm-hmm. there two weeks before you go you uh, cannot eat meat or spices or dairy or um, any alcohol or any drugs if you're on any um you know, antidepressant meds and stuff, you have to stop them a month before. Mm-hmm. So no pork um, and no sugar and no caffeine. Wow. Because they all kind of interfere with the qualities of the ayahuasca. So you have to go on, a, on that, that diet for two weeks and no sex and no masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's part of the whole deal. I don't know why, but that's why. And... uh I saw a couple of people that didn't really follow the diet, not that they, you know, said they were jerking off, (laughs) but I saw a couple of people that just were eating meat and they, I think they were smoking weed or something like that, and they had a, didn't have a great experience. But there's a certain diet you go on, and then when you get there, um, there's about 15 other people there, and you all meet, and you meet the Quanderos, you know, um, and the Quanderos, and there's an interpreter because the interpreter speaks Spanish and both Shipipo Indian um, dialect. And if you speak Spanish, it's fine, but if you don't, they have someone who can interpret things for you. But it's just like going to a doctor. You go into this little hut, mm-hmm. and there's four women and two men, and they're Shipipo Indians, and they're looking at you. They're basically looking right through you. Yeah. And, and you tell, then there's a coordinator, and they're very kind there and very thoughtful and gracious. So you know, there's nothing behind it all. It's all benevolent and mm-hmm. very, you know, very safe. Because mm-hmm. going in the jungle, you get kind of scared. But they, right. you will talk to the to the coordinator who interprets, and you'll say, like in my case, I said I've been in AA for 20 years. I feel, I still feel some dark energy. It's not, I don't know what it is. I just don't feel like I want to be there anymore. I'm tired of this alcoholism. Then I talked about I had some liver problems because I used to be you know, a heroin addict, and I got hepatitis C in 1980. I told them about some history with my father. Um, my wife had died in a car accident with my son when uh, my son was five years old, and we had an argument before she died, and I still had some guilt about that. And I just, I talked about, you know, a couple of other physical ailments. So these people kind of know what 
is going on when you just give them a brief history. Right. Then you have a light meal, and then the second night you're there, you, everybody goes into the the uh, tempo. I think it's called. That's the name of it. And uh, you sit around in a circle on mats, and the quanderos filter in in the dark. This all happens about nine o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and they there's candles around. It's very beautiful. There's you know there's frogs and monkeys in the background, and it's you know yeah. beautiful jungle. It's really quite you know it's 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 very surreal, and mm-hmm. they have the ayahuasca in, in like a big glass jug, and you're there's like four groups or five groups of three people, and they'll just call the group and you'll come up, and then they will pour the ayahuasca into a little glass, and you will, you will drink it. Yeah. And then you go back and you sit on your mat, and then they start to just have like one candle, and they smoke these um, jungle tobacco. It's called mapacho, and that takes the spirits out of the air. I mean, it's stuff that you when you first sit there, you think this is un-fucking-believable, this is a hoax, this is weird, this is ridiculous, <laughs> what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, you get, you know, I myself got kind of cynical and questioning why am I even here and what is going on. These people, these little Indians are like four foot five and, you know, they're just staring at me and what the, I don't know what they're saying because I don't understand anything. And I had to just shut my mind down and have some faith. And then uh, you just sit there quietly and then, you know, things start to shift a little. I mean, in my experience, I started to see... Um, some little images in my mind, you know, like pinwheels and plastic pink mm-hmm. colors. And, th- you know, I knew something was happening. I was starting to shift, and I immediately got scared, thinking mm-hmm. my first thought was, my sobriety is ruined. I've ruined my sobriety. It's all over. I'm f-. And then, you know, just came in saying, why do you worry so much? You know how much time you spent your whole life worrying? You know how much time you spent, you know, being unhappy and so concerned? Just, this is going to help you. Just relax. And I started laughing. Mm-hmm. And then these women, they start to sing these songs. It pierces through your chakras, and it, it's kind of unexplainable. They they gradually get up. They're sitting in the center, and they gradually get up and walk around to the individual people and sit down and start singing these songs called Icaros. And mm-hmm. on the website, you can listen to the Icaros. Yeah. And it starts to penetrate into your soul, and, and then, um, you know, I, I got in touch with my, my father. He used to berate me and tell me that I was a... Uh, you know, that I was a zero and I was nothing at all my life. And I did lots of steps on him. I did a lot of work on him. And, uh, you know, I tried to forgive him and all that stuff that they teach you in AA. And in this image, he came to me and he sat down with me and he told me, I'm sorry that I ever called you stupid. Mm -hmm. I love you and I'm sorry. And it was, you know, I couldn't believe that he was there and he apologized to me. And whether I, you know... Whether the image was, you know, to me it was it was real. And this brought me to a place where I, I never got to before. Mm-hmm. And that was gone. And then I my my wife appeared and she told me, I thought I was happy to see her. And then she told me how angry she was that I was swearing at her before, you know, she had the car accident. And she screamed at me and I started crying and I felt like I was going to, you know, lose lose it. And then she just said, I just want you to truly apologize to me for how you behaved before I had the car accident. And then I could mm-hmm. go in peace. I mean, I had these amazing things happen wow. over and over again. And right. uh, all the while, these women are singing, and you're sitting there, and you're going through this by yourself in a room with other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's other things that happen with ayahuasca, which, you know, it didn't actually happen to me, but a lot of people purge. They have a bucket, and a lot of people throw up. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people have, uh, you know, get really bad diarrhea sometimes and that that's just part of it mm-hmm. and it's like i mentioned before it's like a spiritual operation these, these women look at you and you can feel that they can see right into all the energy in your body and they can see what's wrong and what's maladjusted and what's what needs to be fixed mm-hmm. and as they sing and as you go through these thoughts um it's a healing process and it, it, i went through seven ceremonies and um, at the end of it, it seemed like I was put back together. And, you know, without directly experiencing it, it's really hard to talk about it. But I came out of there more healed than I 
ever was in my entire life. But I was ready and I had an intention. There there were a couple of people there, like a couple of young kids. They just wanted to trip out and see the anaconda god and stuff. They didn't have a very good time, you know. Mm. And then another guy was there. He was a martial artist, and he wanted to become like a master martial artist. And he thought that if he takes, if he took ayahuasca, it would turn him into like Bruce Lee or something. <laughs> and he had a really miserable time, and he started to trip out on himself. And it was revealed that he was down there to become powerful. You know, he wasn't down there to find out about him, himself. What, mm-hmm. what, what ayahuasca did for me, and I think what it does for everybody, whether they want it or not, is it, it, it boils you down to the purest version of yourself. Mm-hmm. If you go down there with the wrong intention, it's going to be revealed to you. Yeah. And I, and I went down there right. wanting to feel. I think if you, I mean, I did acid when I was a teenager, and um, it was, you know, some of them were, were good, but when they were bad, wow, they were really bad. It was terrifying. Um, yeah. And there it's was just, no I way out. Too. But this yeah. is not... This isn't a mm-hmm. this isn't a complete different category. Yeah, I kind of I mean category. I get it. I don't I, I mean I wasn't there, but you're really describing it, you know, really well. And um so I'm you know, sort There's of so just much imagining this and these, these these people these Indians they go out into the jungle and they study one plant for a year. It's called a dieta and they go on a certain diet and they go in the jungle and they you know, they communicate with these plants and I was again a little cynical at first, but after spending time with these people, yeah, the, the power of the plants is, is so greater than any of us understand. And these people understand what the plants are and what they do. They communicate with the mm. plants, and, and, and no matter how um, doubtful I was, it was revealed to me that I knew absolutely nothing. So I just had has to have faith in what they were doing. And you know, this this juice is extracted from a vine and from some leaves and and um it's very powerful they've used it for you know over a thousand years i think you know to heal people so who mm-hmm. am i to come down a westerner to come down with like you know 20 years aa experience and aa has been around since 1934 or something and think that you know i know better than what this is it was this is you know ancient and powerful and it, and it gave me a great lesson and yeah. I recommend it to anybody who's prepared and wants to do it, but I do not recommend it to, to anybody who is just, you know, not sure what their intentions are. Now, you said you had to really alter, I mean, they suggested that you not eat sugar and not eat this and not have coffee. What kind of guy were you before this? Was this easy for you? I mean, I do know people that are just, you know, already no, it was fairly easy and- for me. I'm pretty, I pretty much had a clean diet before, but I did drink a lot of, you know, I drank coffee and I just def- definitely ate sugar and I ate meat, you know, mm-hmm. and I love prosciutto and, you know, serrano <laughs> ham and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, you know, I haven't eaten pork since I've been there, which is weird. They told me one thing, which was very strange to me. And it stuck with me. I said, why don't you eat pork? And they said, the pig is the only animal who can't see the sky. And just, it struck me so strange. Like their eyes, they can't, they can't look up and see the sky. And I don't know, it was just weird for me. But, you know, uh, someone else told me that they also were somewhere, um, is friend of Kevin's, they were over, and uh, she's, I forget where they were t- talking to somebody about the pig, but they stopped eating the pig also, but they believed that it's the pig is so intelligent and that it's too close to the human. Like, they're using um, pig's... Uh, what do you call it, things for the heart, like the ventricles, they're actually using yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. And that this tribe felt that it was they were too close to humans to eat. That's possible. Because I was also, talking they, about, they, you know, my freaking out how we're treating the pigs in America right now in our food industry, yeah, yeah. and it's really horrible, and I was just... Well, also, horrible. they said that the, 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 when the, when the uh, Spanish came over and conquered, you know, all the Indians in South America, and they, they brought in the hairless, you know, kind of the white-haired, hairless pig, and it brought a lot of disease, too. Mm. Because there's wild pigs that they still eat. They'll still eat the pig with the long hair on it. It's wild. But the the domesticated yeah. pig, um, anyway, that's... That's that interesting. Was, now, you so you come back. You have this amazing experience. You have and, to go on the diet um, for two weeks after you come back, too. You're on the diet two weeks before you go. Mm-hmm. While you're there, and they serve amazing food there. I mean, 
beautiful exotic fruits out of the jungle and vegetables, mm. and they got fresh fish from the Amazon that was unbelievable. Wow. And even without salt and pepper and spices, they put on fresh lime and orange juice and um, lemon, and they had mangoes and papayas and, and passion fruit, and, you know, they made this porridge with passion fruit and bananas, and it's just, you know, the food was really, really excellent. Mm. You, don't miss, you don't miss it after a while. You don't miss all of the stimulants that you you know that we have in our food it's true kevin and i last year we stayed in a place uh on oahu and there was a tree that was bearing mangoes the whole time we were there and like every day three or four would just plunk on the grass you know we'd run out and get them and they were just there is nothing like tree ripened fruit from a place that it's supposed to be growing you know it is really incredible just yummy yummy um all right, so you come back and you went back to you didn't go back to a meeting. Is no, that correct? I came back and mm-hmm. you know I I got that message and I don't know if it's true or not, but the message you know your alcoholism is gone mm-hmm. and don't look for it. We've taken it and if you really want it back, you can have it. And you know, I mean, again, I was in an altered state when I heard that, but who am I to say? You know, I mean. I had have seen, and also my liver healed somewhat, and I just got a test, and my liver is better than it's ever been. So, well, know, mm-hmm. who am I to defy something that's been going around for a thousand years? But um, right. when I came back, I just didn't really have a desire to go back to to AA, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's been I don't know ten months. Mm-hmm. And I have my days just like any anybody has. You know, I have days of doubt and days of fear, but I I know how to. You know, I I do TM, I meditate, um, and mm-hmm. I still pray. You know, I follow the spiritual path to, to the best of my ability. But I just had no desire to go back to AA, and it just some people would uh, call me and wonder what happened. Some people said, "Oh, you went out. You were in the jungle with those." fucking Indians doing that shroom shit and you're oh, you better come back in and you know raise your hand as a newcomer and then some people yeah. said I know it's tough we'll let you keep you someone even said we'll let you keep your time just come back and I did I was like that thing about time mm-hmm. always kind of irritated me and I when I was like a year sober people would say oh yeah well when you get 20 years you'll you'll feel different about it and you know what I got 20 years I didn't feel different about it I still feel that People hold on to their time and put it under their belt. Like, I got this many years under my belt. And it doesn't, to me, it really didn't mean much. And it, it never did. And so I, I found found it kind of comical when someone said, we'll let you keep your time. Like, yeah. because you have your time under your belt, that doesn't mean you're going to go through life and have a deep, you know, it doesn't mean anything except for maybe someone else in AA but out in the world, people don't give a shit how much time you have. They they want you to act like right. a decent person. Right. So uh, it kind of perplexed me. And then basically I became somewhat isolated as, as uh, I mean, as far as the the, uh, the AA um, community is concerned because I had been in AA for 20 years. I knew a lot of people. I helped a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the calls just uh, stopped coming, even though I still gave the same advice to someone if someone called me i give them my experience like in a relationship or whatever i would still give them a spiritual solution to the best of my ability but then people started saying so did you actually do that shit you did that i you did that shit down there and i said yes i did i did uh-huh. do it and then the calls just stopped and um wow i've been in touch with a couple of guys that are basically are in Al-Anon, so that I guess Al-Anon teaches you to accept people a little bit more than AA, possibly. It's one of the, you know, things that Al-Anon does. Um, yeah, I, I think that I've yeah, I have my complaints with it now. Guys, two guys out of, uh, you know, a little better. hundred people. Mm-hmm. Huh? I think that um, I went to Al-Anon for years, too, and it, there were things that I got from it that I could see really helped me. Like, you know, it was really none of my business. They talk about not giving unsolicited advice. A lot more yeah, they kind of let people be. That's the point of it. Is let someone be, and you can still give them love. But mm-hmm. I think uh, I think a lot of people um, that I knew in AA are a little bit worried because you know I think they're in a perverse way they're waiting for me to slip or waiting for something. I don't know what it was, but uh, yeah. Well, they really preach. I don't have anything against the doom and gloom. AA, AA, 
I mean, huh? if you leave, like what I realized having left that when I went on the blog, you know, I created Stop 13 Step in AA, you know, for a reason to expose that. But what happened is it led me to stinking thinking. And the orange papers is what I really discovered some of the lies about AA and Bill W. And, you know, we all know that he did LSD when he was 18 years sober. Well, he didn't know his wife constantly and he died from cancer from smoking cigarettes. Right, right. And some but, woman at some meeting, and after 10 meetings in Santa Monica, she was so angry. But she goes, don't you know that Bill Wilson on his dying bed was screaming for a drink? Don't you know that he was craving a drink on his deathbed, goddammit? And then some guy was telling her to shut up. It was like a big outburst in this meeting called After 10 in Santa Monica. Oh, and they were having this big, big right. you know, kind of contentious debate about Bill Wilson. And, you know, a lot of women... Did not think much of Bill Wilson. I gotta mm-hmm. say that, as I mean, well, he was I mean, I, I, I really, I, he was just a drunk really guy trying to get better, better, but not sorry, a god. I brought him in here, but um, you know, more about uh, we're talking about uh, leaving and oh, discovering stinking thinking. So there, because that's what I was saying. Well, I felt so alone when I was doing the work and I was being ostracized because of the work I was trying to do inside AA, and then I found all these people that left. Like there's a woman who had 25 years and left, and then there's people that were in and out of AA and couldn't stay sober but then created their own thing that now are four years without a drinking. And then there's people who never went to AA and they got sober, you know, their own way through whether it was ration recovery or CBT or SMART or using reading stance. I think you should do whatever, whatever works for you. Right, right, right. But to know that, you're not alone, and that there is, like, I had, when I left, there was, like, I had one person call me who, I'm friends with her, you know, she kind of knew where I was, you know, coming and going from, and she thought that we needed to create another program herself that was not so, you know, dogmatic and um, with the sponsor thing, you know, ask the sponsor this and ask the sponsor well, that. Well, it gets a little you know, fundamentalist, like with the civic group and stuff, you know. As they yeah. get, if some people get more and more time, they get more fundamentalist, and it gets a little bit frightening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's almost like Scientology, it's a Scientology kind of feel to it, you know. It's like yeah. you get scared with those guys, like just Clancy and all that. I used to hear that guy speak, and I used to, I didn't have anything for that guy. And everybody used to say, oh, Quincy this, Quincy that. He's a, and I, I just heard the guy just sounded like a fucking salesman to me. Yeah. And uh, you know, I would get ostracized by people because I had different opinions. Mhm. You know, it's like I could still stay sober and and fucking hate AA for a while, and and people would say you're gonna drink, you're gonna, and I was like, no, I just have my own mind. I'm thinking of things, and you know, I'm staying sober, but I have different feelings and thoughts. I don't have to just jump off the cliff while like all you fucking lemmings together, you know. Yeah, yeah. I find it very hard to have your own, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, opinions in there. And if you don't, like, follow what everybody else says, you know, like, this Clancy guy, he just seems like a great salesman. You know, some people naturally are great salesmen. They're going to make a lot of money. They drank. They fucked up their lives. They stopped drinking, and they become these great salesmen again because they're sober. But that doesn't mean there's anything great about them. They just got back on track, and they're making a shitload of money, and everybody thinks, oh, if I do what he does, I'm going to be like he is. And it's not true. Some right. people make money and some people don't. And getting sober doesn't mean you're going to make money. It doesn't mean you're not mm-hmm. going to make money. People start equating sobriety with material success, and it gets all muddled within AA, and it turns into a big clusterfuck with everybody. And right, right, right. And where's mine? And it just it doesn't have to do, you know, people are individually different whether they're alcoholics or not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are just great actors or great salesmen or great, you know, businessmen or singers or whatever they are. They're already that. Well, I mean, there there are people that are charismatic. I mean, I heard him speak when I had like I think a year and a half in Honolulu. He's charismatic, but he's but he's charismatic. I thought he was horrible. I I hated him. I hated him, and I told Mary I thought he was a creep, and he is a creep. Uh, A little bit of a massage. I want to tell everybody. I just want to make like a little. You know, the, who we're talking to here, I'm talking to David Darmstetter, who wrote My Monster, his book, and also went to the, we were just talking about the Amazon, the Peruvian Amazon, um, where he went to the Temple of the Way of Light. I want to welcome everybody to um, Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. There's a lot of people in the chat room. Hi, Kenneth Anderson's out there, Kevin, Michael Richardson, Pinkle Jerkin, Amy Lee Coy, and Cause and Effect. Hi, everybody there in the chat room. 
welcome uh, everyone. I don't know if anybody wants to call in. If you can, if you want to ask uh, David or myself a question, 818-475-9211. It's 818-475-9211. There is a caller in the queue. Want to take a call, David? Um, I guess so. Okay, let's see Unless it's that guy Clancy telling me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Let's see. Hi, you're you're live. Hello. Hi. Hello. Maybe they didn't want to talk. Okay. So somebody's there. Okay. So maybe they just wanted to listen. Okay. So I put them back on hold. So uh, would you like to talk about your book? Um. Well, it's an, it's it's a little bit uh in flux right now because it was published originally in London and now um it's going to be made into a movie with Mark Ruffalo starring in the movie but the uh publisher in London has got some problem where I'm not getting any royalties and I'm trying to get it published here through um the United States publisher that m- my uh agent is trying to hook up right now but I feel weird promoting the book because every time it sells, I don't get a penny from it. So, oh, that's I mean, wrong. The book's yeah, available so maybe... and it's on Amazon, but I don't get any money in, in uh, it's a lawyer thing. So, But it will be made into a movie with Mark Ruffalo and they're probably, they're trying to start, you know, shooting the movie sometime in uh, late winter, early spring of 2012, so... I'm hopefully going to get a U.S. publisher by then, and it'll be a different story. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Um, I was reading it. In, it's I, a book based, I, yeah, you I'm sorry? Some. Yeah, no, yeah, I started ahead. to read it, and I didn't get to read it all, but but I was. it's very raw. It's very detailed. I mean, I could really see why somebody would make it into a movie. Your son, in the opening, you tell about what happened to, you know, your wife, which you've, you know, you told us. How is your son? How old is he now? Um, he's 23. He lives in New York, and he's uh, an artist. But well, the book was based on when he was five. His mom died in, in a car accident, and I was just, you know, a heroin addict, and I had to stop using drugs to bring him up myself, and or the state was going to take him away from me. So it was kind of a challenge because I had a shitload of demons in me back then because that was like 22 years ago. And um, it's basically Uh, about about me bringing, you know, my son up on my own with, you know, my monster was a reference to, you know, the monster that we all have within us that tries, you know, the self-destructive voices that try to take us down. And then it followed the death of my father, which was really difficult for me because I talked to you before about that. I had a lot of problems with my father growing Mm up. And, uh, you know, it's basically about me and my son just trying to find a home for ourselves, you know, within ourselves and physically a home because we lived in a tiny one-bedroom apartment for a long time. And Yeah, uh, where did you live? It's full of, you know, it's it, it's it's a, it's full of humor and, and joy and also, the, you know, there's a lot of horrors in it, but mostly the antagonist is within, you know, the character's own mind. Hey, we have another caller. I'm going to bring another caller on. Here's somebody here that you're going to like. Hi, caller, you're live. Hi, this is Clancy. I heard what you said, David. I'm just kidding, David. It's me, Ken. What a fucking voice you have. (laughs) 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 You do a white speed really good. (laughs) How you doing? Hey, Massive. Good. Hey, Kevin, hey, that was pretty good. Hey, I mean, at first hey, I know hey. your number, but when I heard the voice, I said, whoa, I clicked the wrong button. <laughs> well, you know, not, you know, I've never met the guy. I've never heard of him, so I don't know if that's a curse or a blessing. Probably a blessing. David, good to hear you, man. How you doing? Good. How's the hey, mole? Hey, you know, huh? How's the mole doing? You had that surgery, oh. right? Oh, yeah, I'm healing. I'm healing up, man. I was like, I don't know, what, what do I have, like 30, uh, 30 stitches in me, Monica, or something? Yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. Healing up, yeah. healing up. Thanks, a lot thanks of for having He's doing good. He's keeping his feet up. Yeah. But, Dave, I wanted to say, man, I, just, I mean, first of all, it's great to hear you. It's always, it's always great to hear. I love talking to you. And um, 
But did they tell you anything uh, when you were there, uh, when you did that, uh, when you went through that experience at the Amazon? Did they give you any tools or anything to, uh, did they say anything for you to practice or do when you left? Did they say anything that you need to keep doing? You know what I mean? Did they give you any Yeah, well, they asked me what I want to leave there with, and I said I want to leave my doubts and fears and bring strength and love to the world to the best of my ability. And, mm. you know, they told me to keep, meditating and to listen to the uh, Ikaro songs when I wanted to. I could listen to them online. And it kind of lives inside of me, the experience. And I, you know, I would go back. I haven't decided to go back just now, but I would definitely go back again. And uh, I'd like to maybe bring some people with me there because I feel everybody should go through that experience. It really puts you face-to-face with yourself. And... I think anybody who went through that experience would would have some revelations. And, and there's just so many fucked up people in the world that are yeah. living these, you know, lives like, I don't know, go all the way to Rupert Murdoch or whatever, but if any of these people that were so brutal, you know, brutally dishonest, that if they had any experiences like this, it would just switch them around and make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Not escape confronting your true self when you're down there and it's going to change you. But, um, well, you know, it's an individual process. It's growing. I mean, people just started discovering ayahuasca. I mean, Western people just started discovering ayahuasca in in the 90s. You know, it's fairly new about what it does because it was basically strictly just with the Indians, you know, down in, in, in uh, the Amazon, and, and they used right. it within, within them, their own tribes. But now it's kind of branched out, and they're seeing that it really, really has strong um, spiritual, uh, you know, healing properties to it that are almost unexplainable. You know, it's kind of well. like a phenomenon, but it mm-hmm. works. So who are we to know? I mean, they talk about parallel universes and stuff. Who are we to know what's really going on? Right. That's right. right. Talk to another dimension, but I, I, who am I to say there isn't another dimension? I don't yeah. know everything. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I mean, I think it's well, got to be healthy than sitting in a room full of a bunch of strangers, 100 people, where there's 25 DUIs sent there, and people who are mostly sick and most of the people with a lot of time have left, like there's certain meeting halls where there's dominating of people that are really super lost, just trying to find their way with a lot of uh, sick individuals without any real, like, leader. You know, like, I I just think it's um, bizarre how A has evolved now, presently. And if you, you know, even the thought forms, if you were to, you know, what people are thinking and sitting in there, um, as I was getting ready to leave began to look at it as not only that it was a place that I didn't want to be, but that I began to feel that it was actually uh, hurtful, harmful, to listen to the readings, which I felt were lies, you know. Well, a lot of impressionable young people who come in, and I, you know, I have to say that yeah. women in particular do fall um, prey to a lot of these guys because I've seen them, you know. I've seen these predators, and, you know, you can have these, women come in and just, for some reason, they're so frightened and impressionable. And he's some guy with a few years sobriety and a fucking cigar starts saying, you know, I would just help you with the steps. And, I'm, you know, and they just yeah, they want to yeah. fuck come over, come, come, come they over my fuck house. And, yeah. and they, yeah. they, they, you know, they premeditate what they're going to do. And they just go around and I see it. And, it, you know, I mean, wow. it used to really make me enraged because there's there's no... You know, it's basically, you know, you're given enough rope until you hang yourself. But some of these guys, they 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 can destroy these women, and and mm-hmm. no one's really, I don't know. There's nothing. I mean, they say stay away from them, men and all that stuff. But I, I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing. I mean, there's a lot of criminals in there because a lot of criminals are alcoholics and drug addicts. But I, I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like a big free for all. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we could spend a lot of time on that one, but I think we have, and, you know, we certainly can go there. But I, I do think uh, that it's uh, – can I ask, what, is co- what does it cost to do this? What's oh, the, to, go to, to go to um, Peru? 
Yeah. Well, it's not it's not cheap, but it's not really expensive considering what it does. I mean, from Los Angeles, you can through a travel agent that's that the temple hooks you up with. You can fly there for a thousand dollars round trip. And last time I looked, the two week ceremony was fifteen hundred dollars. You know, with with uh, food and board and everything included. So it's like twenty five hundred dollars. Mhm. Mhm. And there's a couple of places that are a little bit more expensive. Mhm. But um, yeah, I mean that's the thing is is it's it's definitely not free, but um, it's cheaper than. Psychiatrist. Worth it, more than worth it, from what you were saying. I mean, if you had, I personally, I I do. But it's something you have to be ready and willing to do and want to do. Mhm, mhm. Um, so, when was the last time somebody called you, an old friend from the program, one of your guy friends, that was uh, a positive experience? You said there's a couple that. So There's only one ago. guy that calls me, and, and Kevin knows him. Kevin, you still online? Kevin? He's off. Yeah, he dropped. He's still in the chat room, but he... Uh, okay. Well, this, yeah. He knows the guy. His name is Raf. And he's the only one that calls me. Other people called me sporadically over the months, but the calls all dropped off. Mm-hmm. So I have to say there's only one person that calls me. And I've reached out to a couple of guys and said, look, I'm the same guy. You know, I surf with some friends, you know, and a couple of guys, like even my old sponsor, I used to surf with them on weekends all the time. Yeah. And I I sent them a, a line saying, look, you know, we can still surf. We can still be friends. I mean, it's no big deal. Just let's go surfing. Let's hang out. And, and they just don't, they don't do it. I wow. saw one guy in the street by chance and he was taking a bus because i guess he had no money and i gave him a ride to his work and he asked me what happened and you know i told him about peru and all that stuff he's like wow that sounds like amazing we should you know we should stay in touch and i'll call you and but he never did because i think what he did was he checked in with his sponsor and his sponsor said no 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 you don't want to stay away from david because um i'm not in the system anymore yeah i'm not a different person and I'm mm-hmm. not anti-AA, you know, and I'm not promoting, you know, ayahuasca ceremonies. I'm just giving, you know, like like they say in AA, I'm just giving my experience. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything else, but it seems, it, yeah, it's amazing to me of all the guys that that used to talk to me and call me, and it, it's all dropped off. So Everyone. do you miss some of that? Yeah, I, I miss kind of the camaraderie with, with men, you know, friends, like, mm-hmm. Hanging out, but I, I I don't miss the peer pressure of AA. I don't miss raising my hand every time and saying I'm Dave, alcoholic, and right, everybody right. together, and like we're all in this fucking purgatory together. Yeah. I don't miss that. I don't miss the uh, fundamentalists and the brow beating and the kind of the pecking order. I don't miss people thinking they're cool because you know they're sober or people that are acting. Yeah. You know, people that are still acting like they're out at a nightclub when they're in AA. I'm like, why don't you give that mm-hmm. shit up? You know, I mean, how many more tattoos can you get? And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really care, but that's stuff I don't miss. Right, but I do right. miss, you know, just being around other other people and having a community. And oh. you know, I have I have other friends that aren't in uh, aren't in AA that I'm you know friends with, and to them, they don't really. You know, they're they're ha- happy that I went to do ayahuasca. They're happy if I go to AA. They're, whatever it takes to make me okay, they're happy with it. You know, and they're just my friends. But it seems like the AA friends definitely uh, dropped off. Now, if I started a group that was, like, considered, I don't, an ex-step or a support group, I mean, I've left, there's someone else in Los Angeles um, that I've connected with from the blogs, um, that was really merely just a social thing. Because I got to a place, too, where, you know, the sitting around, calling yourself, you know, these n- names, hi, I'm so-and-so, and if somebody new came in, they're like, who are you? What's your name? What's your dis-? It's, like, really, uh, like, offensive. And um, would you be interested in that? Well, I would try anything. Mm-hmm. I went to an Al-Anon meeting uh, two weeks ago with, with a friend of mine, and I just sat there, and it was fine. It wasn't really, it seemed kind of 
silly and mediocre to me in a way, but I, I, I guess after doing those ayahuasca ceremonies, it was just so, you know, intense. And 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 I this was the first time I really sat in the group since then, and it was uh, you know I went and I just sat there and I didn't really judge it and I and I was fine and I left so mm-hmm. I'm willing I'm willing to try you know I'll do anything. Well, if if we do it, I'll you know, we'll have you over anyway. You know, Kevin and I yeah. talked about it. I think that it's uh, you know so interesting what you did. I feel um, like a little empathy for you and uh, not bad for you but empathy of when i was leaving i was so immersed in the stinking thinking blog that i had people from like literally in the uk and you know here in the united states all over supporting and some were like she's not ever going to really leave they've got their grips on her and even though she's sober all the you know what i mean it was really funny and there was a troll saying you're never going to you know just it was so weird but i found this incredible support on the blog that um and then people started to share like one woman from orange county like as i began to trust people we would exchange you know our real private emails and one woman who had 17 years who was completely immersed um as a general service trustee and was very involved in that way left with like through her process was honest with her sponsees and a whole group of them left for Women for Sobriety, which is like another different support group, which is very empowering. Oh, yeah. And nobody says. Well, I was honest with my sponsors, and they just they just got scared and scattered. Mhm, mhm. Well, That's you fine. you have a friend here in me, a new yeah. one. You know I know, what I mean? and, 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 and um, you know, I shouldn't I shouldn't dismiss the fact that Kevin is one of the other only people that has stayed in touch with me. And he's never judged me or said anything. He just, you know, he still talks to me mm. and, you know, asks me, you know, some questions, some of my experience. You know, if he's having a hard day, he'll call me and say, hey, and what's up, Dave? Um, you know, Monica beat the shit out of me again. And, you know, she had, she had a baseball bat to my head. And I was whimpering like a little baby and I don't know what to do. Should I react? <laughs> but he calls me up all the time and, and, you know, we talk and we laugh. And he's not saying, so, Dave, are you going to go back to a meeting? Or, you know, right. why didn't you go? And what's the matter with you? Or, you know, you sure you didn't slip? He doesn't ask me any of those questions. He mm-hmm. just calls up and he talks to me like Kevin has always talked to me. Mm-hmm. You and know, we're just humans trying to help each other get better. I mean, I could see if I was, you know, shit-faced drunk and smoking crack every night. Mm-hmm. And people were calling me up and I was you know, raving like the wolf man. Mm-hmm. But I'm the same guy, and people could still call me and talk to me, but they just won't do it. And Kevin is definitely one of the exceptions. You know, he yeah, still thinks I'm, really I'm valuable, and I have some kind of, you know, some message to still give to him when, you know, from my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, he's I mean, very I think that's non-judgmental, Kevin. You know what I mean? Kevin is really. Yeah. Um, has a big heart and um, really kind and knows what I think, you know, it is to suffer, as some of us, you know, I mean, he really does. So he knows, and I think he's very, very open and has been so supportive with me as he's watched someone who was a total, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid, as we say it, you know, kind of a person to someone who left and not only left but started a blog and, you know, was doing activism yeah. work to expose what everything you and I just talked about. So he, uh, I'm really I'm happy to hear that he was that way with you. And, uh, you know, we have about six minutes left. I'd like to give you time to, uh, you know, talk either about more about the experience that you did in the Amazon or about your book or anything that you would like to talk about. I don't know what I want to talk about, Monica. <laughs> I mean... I think that pe- anybody that's interested in in in, in re- going through some true spiritual revelation should investigate the ayahuasca ceremonies at the Temple of the Way of Light or or the place called Blue Morpho. I don't recommend that people because they do have people to come up here and bring ayahuasca with them and say they're like a shaman and they have like you know. 20 people over somebody's house in Venice and they drink it and dance around and, you know, I don't feel that, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't recommend that because yeah. I don't think anybody's going to get the full experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that 
if if someone's seeking more that they should they should uh you know investigate it and um I just don't know what to say about you know about AA if you're if you're if you're happy in AA you stay in AA but if you're not and you think you can try something else just try it Mm-hmm. There's such a big fear about drinking and dying that people are afraid, like, I'll die. And, and, you know, sometimes that does happen. Sometimes people shy away from AA and they don't like it, and then they, they do drink or, or take drugs. So you never really know. Mm-hmm. I can only go by my own personal experience. And for and, me, and what age you know, I ran into, what happened was I ran into a guy at a party over the summer. Yeah. And he had been to Peru and he had done the ayahuasca ceremonies. And this was kind of a very dark, intense guy. And he just had a light in his eye. And I asked him what happened, and he told me. And I went on the website, and for some reason, the the little people, Indian women, they spoke to me. You know, I saw the pictures of them on the website, and I knew I had to go. I I didn't even know that was going to happen to me. It struck Hmm. me that I had to go. And and I did it against all of the, you know, all of the AA-approved recommendations. You know, nobody... MAA recommended I go there. People actually told me, you're crazy. Don't do it. You're going to be all fucked up for the rest of your life. And, you know, you're 20 years sober. How could you do something crazy like this? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just felt in my heart that I had to experience it. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, somebody they put this down here in the chat, cause and effect earlier. It's cheaper than rehab, I guess, when you talked about how much it was. You know how much rehabs are these days? Rehab's like 40000 bucks. And what they right. do is you come in there, you know, drinking and smoking crack, and you leave there, and they put you on three different meds, and it's going to cost you like you know two hundred dollars every week, and you know you're just doing other things. They don't. Were really... there any teenagers there? There was, there was more women there than men, mm-hmm. and the age ranged from about twenty-two years old to sixty-five years old. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, there's a wide array of people and 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 the bottom line of the whole thing is it's it's very benevolent even though you go through some horrifying shit, you know, right. on your own. They're there to help you and they're very accommodating. And, you know, it's it's there were women there on their own. I mean, I couldn't believe it, but they were you know, they were totally safe. When you first walked in, do you have a guide that you're walking with to take you there? Yeah, well, what you do is you take, you know, you take the the plane to Peru, and then yeah. you take another plane to Iquitos, and then you stay overnight in a hotel, and they give you a list of hotels to stay in. And the next day, everybody meets in front of one of the hotels, and you get mm-hmm. on a bus with one of the coordinators, mm-hmm. and they take you to the to the uh, river, and there's you know someone on a boat that's already been you know paid to take you to the jungle and you walk through the jungle. It's not like you walk aimlessly through the jungle by yourself, you know. There's a <laughs> coordinator and a guide there, you know. Right. You, know, you wait to get those poison darts shot in your head. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. You know, it's all organized. Like that movie with Harrison Ford when he goes in the jungle, right? With Harrison Ford, the first one, Raiders oh, yeah. of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, it's not, one, it's not one of those. No, I'm so glad. I'm really... It's really been great to have you on. I think uh, I got to read your whole book, and I think while Kevin is uh, healing from his with his feet up, I'll give him the book too. And yeah, uh, I've written another book too called Jesus Feet, and I'm on the third one now. So, <laughs> okay. I keep Thank writing. you uh, so much tonight. We just had on um, this is David Darmstetter, and he wrote the book My Monster, which is going to be turned into a feature film. Um, I want to thank everybody who showed up. Listened in the chat room. Hey, out there, everybody in blog talk radio land. Uh, I'm Monica, and I'm your host. This is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. And we want to promote alternatives. We want everybody to speak up and speak out uh, about what's really going on, know the truth. Uh, our slogan is empowerment, not powerless sobriety. And you can look online for smart recovery, rational recovery, life ring. Secular for Sobriety, Women for Sobriety, Beyond Rehab with Amy Lee Coy, who wrote her book, Stephen Slate, who has the clean slate, read the orange papers, or go to stinkinthinkin.com. 
uh, for support. If you've left AA and you need support, you'll find it there. Thank you so much. I'll call you. Thanks, Monica. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next Good night. week. Good night. Thanks, David. Bye-bye, everybody.